Is she excited? Does she even know what she's, does she realize where she's going? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I said, do you want to go to school? Yes. Oh. Do you want to go to school? Yes. I do. Oh, that's mm-hmm. so She sweet. really wants to go. Now, does she know what school right. is? Unclear. <laughs> Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina. And I'm Renee. And this is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today we're talking about September books on the radar. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you have a minute, please consider leaving us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. All of this truly helps other book lovers find us. Hey, Tina. Hey, Renee. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Oh, girl, I'm busy. It's, I know. You know it's, we're moving and Lily's going to be starting preschool and I'm going to be starting teaching again. It's it's so exciting though. Like all good things, but I'm like, that's why we're kind of recording back to back. So we just spoke less than, or just over 12 hours ago. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Got to fit it in though. By now. I, I never get bored talking about books with you. So Ever. I could it, literally, it's so funny. Like every time I'm like, oh, it'll be quick. We don't have a lot to say and cut to an hour and 10 later. We're I like, know. Oh, we should probably wrap it up. <laughs> I know. I know. But we really, we really do try. We do but try. It's just so hard. It's so hard because we love to talk about books and mm-hmm. life and loving latelys and everything in between. Which, now, I will say my loving lately today, it's a quick, it's a fancy, it, it's a no nonsense loving lately, but you all know we like to bring things that we actually use and love for our loving lately. So even though this is simple, I was like, you know what? I'm bringing it today. These are my favorite eye drops. <laughs> These are oh. the Lumify eye drops by Bausch and Lomb. And what they do, they're like in this little white package with a purple top. They are for redness. And when I tell you, these make my eyes so white, like crystal white. It's awesome. They're not really meant for moisture or anything like that. Although they do provide a little bit of moisture, they bring so much whiteness to your eyes. Nothing does it better. And I've used a ton of different kinds. (laughs) They're kind of pricey. Like in some places, I think Amazon has them for like 24. So don't buy them from Amazon. Target has them the cheapest from what I've found. And I like to use these right before I put on makeup in the morning if I'm doing that. Because when I'm getting ready, it reminds me, hey, you know, just drop these in your eyes. They feel great and they definitely work. But I would say don't overuse them because I was reading up on it. And apparently if you use them like a ton, it can be bad for your eyes because like there's like a micro amount of something. So like obviously read up on them if you're sensitive. Mm -hmm. But I thought I would share them because I really do use them all the time. And I've repurchased like, I don't know, five times at this point. So if you're looking for a good eye drop, they really make your eyes sparkle. These are the Lumify Eye Drops by Bausch & Lomb. Okay. Yeah, the older I get, the drier my eyes are getting. Oh so I have to I have yeah. to use moisturizing. Lens. I need to have an eye drop with me at all times because my eyes are really sensitive. And if sunscreen gets in them or something, like it's a wrap. Mm-hmm. Like I'll complain about it for hours. So I'm like, I <laughs> we keep a, a pair, we keep a dropper with us always. Okay. All right. Well, my loving lately, I am obsessed. Obsessed? Obsessed. And I haven't even I haven't even looked at the whole thing. It is an app called The Daily Horoscope. (laughs) (laughs) Have you heard of this app? No. I. Well, no, I don't think I have. Okay. I looked at a few. This one is the one I settled on. It has solid five-star ratings, thousands of five-star ratings, and it gives you your daily horoscope, your weekly horoscope, your monthly horoscope, zodiac characteristics, for each zodiac sign, zodiac sign compatibility, Chinese horoscope, and a druid horoscope, which is the Celtic tree astrology system. So you put in your birthday and you find out what is your Celtic tree sign. Oh, okay. Pine, yeah, I'm a pine tree. You're a pine tree. Oh, so yes. it's, I see. So everybody has, ha, obviously, you, it's super easy. I really, found this to be 
weirdly accurate. I was, mm-hmm. I mean, I zipped through, I'm Aquarius. I zipped through my Zodiac characteristic, my Druid horoscope, the p- pine tree. The pine tree reminded me a lot of what it says about Enneagram 5. Interesting. Yes. It, 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 it was really interesting. But this was just, this is just fun. This is yeah. something that once you read through it all, then I'm just going to keep up daily. I don't know. I thought that would be fun to just read my horoscope daily. And I know. I Are know, you a horoscope reader typically? No. no. Okay. So I mean, I you- have in the past, like when it used to be in newspapers long ago, you know, yeah. I, you'd look <laughs> now, up what's your a horoscope. Newspaper? <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I haven't read my horoscope in a long time, but I don't know why. I was just kind of going through apps and I actually don't even know how I came across this. Oh, I think it was because I used to get the daily motivation. Got it. And then I kind of got bored with that. And I was mm-hmm. looking at daily things you can get. And I was, so I went with the horoscope. I like it. I like it. So the app is called The Daily Horoscope. I was going to say, put in my birthday and see what my druid sign is. I'm like, or I oh, could just okay. get the app. It's free. <laughs> Wait, I can tell you. Well, okay, me tell it. me. Let me. Let me tell you real quick. It's super easy. I'm a Scorpio. Easy. Is this my is, horse, or is my okay? You're Scorpio. You are the nutwood. The nutwood. You're the nutwood like tree. The oh nutwood. The nutwood tree is very adaptable. That is me. That's the first sentence. Dude, that's so me. I, you, <laughs> I am adaptable. I kind of go with go with the flow. All yeah, right, you see, have I was gonna to make read fun this. of you, but. I was going to laugh, but this is actually pretty cool. You're going to like it. I'm telling you, you're going to like it. I Um, love when you bring stuff that I just would never like ever come across, but I know there's so many people that are going to be like, heck yeah, I want to see mine. What's my tree? Right. Also, so they give you your Chinese yearly, which those are animals. So I am the rat. The rat is is my Chinese yearly and my fixed element is water. And so you can read about that. Let me tell you what you are. The, really is it based quick. on your birth year? It's based on your exact birth date. You are the pig. Yeah, I think I, I think I knew that. Okay. You have an alias. I didn't have mm-hmm. an alias. Your alias is the wild boar. The- I don't know what that means. I didn't have an alias. Isn't this? Isn't, it's fun. Just it's fun. fun. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely fun for sure. Okay. Well, all right. Well, speaking of like, okay, we'll take a sharp turn. My poor book is called The Attic Child. And I want to set this up with, yes, there are children that were kept in attics. So it's not like a light and fluffy read. But I will say the author did a very good job of not overly sensationalizing having been locked in an attic. If there's a gentle way to describe it, she did, if that makes sense. Like it's okay. not super brutal. So this book is not actually my latest read because I read it back in July, but it does come out in September. So I've been saving it for this episode. It's called The Attic Child by Lola J. Comes out on September 6th of 2022. And this one's already out in the UK. Now this is historical fiction told from two timelines, the early 1900s London and London in 1974. The book's opening is fantastic. That is what sucked me in. I could not believe what I was reading. I was listening to it. But we meet Dikembe. He is a 12-year-old boy. And right in the beginning, he's taken from his homeland in the Congo to live as a companion to an English explorer, Sir Richard Babington. They change his name to Celestine and raise him as a proper English boy with means and status. He's going to these schools. He's getting the proper clothing until tragedy strikes. And the family life that he has and his life changes even further than it had. And then you also get a perspective from 1974. And you meet Laura. She is a woman who was born into wealth and privilege, whose fortunes massively change when she finds herself orphaned. She is living in the same house as Celestine, so that's how they're connected. They grew up in the same home, but obviously he was in the early 1900s and she's in the 70s. She's digging around and ends up finding things under the floorboards. She finds a pen, a porcelain doll, a beaded necklace, and a message carved into the wall, written in a language that she does not know. And she finds comfort in these items when it feels like all hope is lost. And ultimately, these clues lead her to uncover the secrets of the attic. 
I really liked this. I thought it was very well written in detail. Sometimes in the middle, it felt a little long. The beginning was great. Ending was great. The middle, I was like, all right, come on, (laughs) keep going. (laughs) But I never wanted to stop reading. The alternating timelines kept me engaged. And while I liked Laura, Dikembe slash Celestine was the star of the show. He was the character that kept me reading. I wanted him to be okay. And I love it because you get to see him throughout his entire life, basically. The ending was excellent, especially if you're a reader who likes to know the entirety of a character's story, which that is so me. And actually, I think this book would be a great companion read to All the Lonely People by Mike Gale, because both stories are about Black men who are brought to the UK either by choice or by force. And I think they could have been friends as adults. Um, This book was great on audio. It's narrated by Lucian Masmati and Nika Okoye. And definitely do not miss the author's note because she talks about what real event inspired her to write this book. So I really liked that. Definitely recommend this book, especially if you're a fan of historical fiction and want to know more about a perspective that maybe you haven't learned a lot from or haven't read a lot from. This was The Attic Child by Lola J. Okay, good. Well, my latest read is a surprise to me. (laughs) (laughs) How do you mean? (laughs) Well... Because I'd never planned on reading this, my recent struggle with finding uh, just the right book <laughs> led me to it. It's The Lincoln Highway by Amor Tolls. Oh, is this your first book by the author? This is my first book okay. by him. I never thought I would read this. I thought I would someday read A Gentleman in Moscow because I found that in my little free library last fall. Mm-hmm. And it's I still have it and it's still on my shelf. but. After trying and trying and trying to find an audiobook recently, I came across this. I followed our own advice and I started looking at my favorite narrator's backlist. And mm-hmm. this one is a gem because three of my favorite narrators perform this audiobook and perform they do Eduardo Ballerini, Dionne Graham, and Marin Ireland. Oh, yes. Combine, yes. Combine that with the fact that uh, I saw when I just peaked on Goodreads, it has a 4.27 rating and a, over 157,000 ratings. Wow. I know. I had no idea. So I, I listened to a sample of it and it really hit me. So anyway, that's what I ended up going with. This is set in 1950s America. It takes place in June of 1954 specifically, and you have 18-year-old Emmett Watson. He is being driven home to Nebraska by the warden of the work farm where he has just served a year for involuntary manslaughter. Mm. And you do find out about that story. Emmett's mother is long gone. His father is recently deceased, and the family farm has been foreclosed upon by the bank. So Emmett's intention is to just pick up his eight-year-old brother, Billy, and he wants the two of them to head west where they can start a new life. He wants to start a new life as a carpenter. But when the warden drives away, Emmett discovers that two of his friends from the work farm have hidden themselves in the trunk of the warden's car, and they're like, surprise! (laughs) (laughs) Bye! Yeah, so together they hatch an altogether different plan for Emmett's future. Now, Emmett doesn't really know at the time that this is truly going to be such a different plan, but he goes along with it. The story is set over 10 days and is told from multiple points of view. You initially start off with Emmett, his friend Duchess, who was in the who was the stowaway in the car, and another friend, Wooly, along with Emmett's brother, Billy, who is a very interesting eight-year-old. It is a road trip book, which is fine, but not a quick road trip book. And so each place that they end up going, there is a goal. Emmett has a goal, and Billy has a goal, and then Duchess and Wooly have their own goals. And, be- and because no one's goals align, that's where you get parts of the story that take you into the different places, which I absolutely loved. And that's also where you meet different characters. And you have to keep, you have to go along with this story because 
you never know who you're going to meet along the way. And there are surprising people along the way. There are bad people, but each one has the purpose of building onto the story. So I love this book. I am really, I'm shocked by how much I love it. And I say that while also saying there are parts of the story that are kind of, that are pretty boring. Mm-hmm. Actually, <laughs> I mean, it is a true character driven story. But if you can stay with it, I think there's a payoff. Now, I am coming at this from a completely 100% audio experience. Right. And I do think that's probably making a huge difference in my enjoyment because this is 576 pages. I'd have, I don't know how it it is chunky. I don't know how I would feel about that doing strictly print. I don't know because I, I, I am enjoying, I have been enjoying the audio so much. I mean, I literally, I binged it in two days. I don't know that I recommend doing that. Yeah. I think, I think that this is a book to savor and really sink into and give yourself some time. I think it's a really a perfect mix of atmosphere, so the setting, the characters, and the story. What this author does so well, I mean, I don't have anything to compare it to, so um, but I know that other people love him so much, but the level of detail that he gives you, I mean, I thought I was there. I thought I was, you know, I was in the 1950s. The details are there. It felt like a movie running in my head, and I was really invested in these characters. Now, especially Emmett, and the thing that I was thinking about with Emmett, you know how in your high school yearbook or or somewhere along the way you would have, like maybe somebody gave had a saying that they, that they had about you. Yeah. So for Emmett, it would be, if he didn't have bad luck, he'd have no luck at all. <laughs> <laughs> and granted, he ma- he made a lot of his own poor decisions, but then he had the worst luck. But guess what? It made me completely invested mm-hmm. in Emmett and his story. And I needed to know what was going to happen. And I don't know. This hit at just the right time. I will say, do not pick this book up if you're in the mood for fast-paced, if you're in the mood for a thriller of any kind, hold off. But if you want to really sink into a story and you want to feel things, because there are characters in here outside of the ones I've mentioned that I loved so much and there were really bad characters. So this book gives you all the feelings with just an amazing amount of storytelling. So I I guess I'm saying perfect book at the perfect time for me. Mm-hmm. If you are resistant to trying audio, if I could talk you into at least sampling it and getting some of the characters' voices in your head and then move to the print. Because if you could have these, the the way that the narrators perform this story, if you could have those voices in your head and then take that with you to the print, I think that would be so fun. I think that yeah. would be a great way to take this story in. So that's The Lincoln Highway by Amor Tolls. Oh, I'm so glad you read that. Because you're right, I would not, that's a surprise to me too. Like I would never have pegged that book for you. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you really loved it, which is so, that's great. I did, I did. Yeah. This really made me decide that I I must go and read A Gentleman in Moscow soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I read his other book, Rules of Civility. Really, really liked that as well. And it was one that it took me by surprise because I was like, this is going to be heavier. Like, I I think I was on vacation. I know I was on vacation when I read it. I'm like, yeah, who knows if this is going to hit me. No, I was sucked into that world. And it sounds like that's kind of consistent with his book. Yes. Yes. That's exactly how I would describe this particular book too. And it was a read with Jenna. Oh, was it? Yeah, last fall. Mm Mm-hmm. So we do have a listener latest read, and this week's listener latest read comes from a fellow Tina. Her handle is T.S. Chinstock on Instagram, and she's recommending The Secret Life of Albert Entwistle by Matt Kane. The vibes with this story is that of an elderly main character that makes unexpected connections 
with a group of random people. And she said the side characters in this one are great, and she's been loving cozy UK books lately. I thought that sounded good to me. I've been on like an older character kick after I read All the Lonely People. So Mm -hmm. thank you, Tina, for that one. Oh, good. Okay. What was the title of that? It was called The Secret Life of Albert and Swistle. E-N-T-W-I-S-T-L-E. Oh, okay. Got it. Okay, good. All right. So for Book Talk today, we have something a little bit different. Tonight is our end of summer mixer that we're hosting for our patrons on Zoom. And a part of what we do is breakout rooms and we ask them, we list questions and then everybody in the little breakout room answers them. And, you know, it's basically all about book chat, but we do a guided conversation. So we wanted to join in on the fun and ask each other a couple of questions. And ours is going to be a little different. We're going to say, how do you feel about blank? And Mm -hmm. we don't know the other's answers to these questions yet. So do you want to start off? Sure. Okay. How do you feel about fiction authors narrating their own books? Pass. Typically, (laughs) that does not work (laughs) for me unless they are also a professional audiobook narrator. The one that comes to mind is Jocelyn Jackson. I know she's an author, reads her own books, but she also reads other people's books as well. Generally, the only time I like it when an author is narrating their own book is if it's memoir. And I think that a lot of people Mm -hmm. say that. Right. Do you like it? Not usually. No. Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think, and the, I haven't tried this book yet. It's on my TBR, but Julia Whalen's new book, Thank You for oh. Listening, is mm. getting great reviews. And she, of course, she narrates, but yeah. she's a professional audio. Yeah, that, that I would accept. <laughs> I would I will think it would that. be so weird if she did it. Like if she's like, no, I'll, I'll outsource this. <laughs> right. Another one I will say, I tried this summer. I didn't get very far, but I do still want to read the book. And the book is We Are Not Alarmed. Oh, by Amy Malloy? By Amy Malloy. She narrates her own oh, book. Oh, okay. And that didn't work for me. So I don't know. I think I think if a professional narrator can be found, that's usually what works for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you feel about dog-earing book pages? Uh, I do it all the time. <gasps> really? My, yes. I'll do that with my own books. Now, yes. this is how I do it. My own books. Just a teeny tiny corner because Mm -hmm. I usually, if I'm actually reading a print book, um, sometimes I I don't, I mean, I don't usually carry a bookmark around with me. I don't have a problem with it. I won't do that to library books, of course, Um, or if I'm, you know, borrowing someone's book, but I don't, I don't mind it. What about you? Same. I could not care less if it's my own book. Like, I like Mm -hmm. it actually. Like, I'm a little strange in that way where... If I pick up a book later on, I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, I like to see annotating. I like to see when I folded pages. Like, I don't mind it. I actually think it brings charm to the book. It surprises me about you, though. I thought you would have been like, no, absolutely not. So, Oh, I really? something new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. How do you feel about cliffhanger or ambiguous endings? Okay. Two different things for me. Cliffhangers are fine if I know going in that it's a duology or a trilogy or whatever. I don't like going into a book with a cliffhanger ending, not knowing if there's going to be another one or not expecting that. That bugs me. However, ambiguous endings, I'm totally fine with them. Well, I should say I prefer, I tolerate them. I prefer closure. But if an ambiguous ending is done well, if it's like a make you think, if it's a choose your own adventure, I don't mind it. Okay. What about you? I love a cliffhanger ending. Really? Yes. I don't need to know that there is more coming, but I will pan. I mean, I will almost panic if I find out that there isn't anymore. I like that level of surprise mm-hmm. of, because I don't, to me, if... If I know ahead of time, then it takes the surprise out of it. Now, once the cliffhanger oh. ending happens, then I will frantically go and Search <laughs> find and, and try to mm-hmm. find out. And mm-hmm. if there's nothing else, then I'll probably be mad. But that if makes- there is something else, even if it's somewhere in the future, I am Pilgrim, still waiting. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind as long okay. as there's something else coming at some point. I don't mind ambiguous endings unless it's a mystery. Mm-hmm. I oh, am, yeah. I feel very strongly 
Yeah. That we cannot have ambiguous endings in mysteries unless it's a very, very, very minor sub like thread that doesn't really matter. It's not like part of the story. But no, don't give me an ambigu- ambiguous ending if I have anticipated an answer or a resolution to the mystery for the whole book. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah, yeah. that would be it. Well, especially for mysteries, like that's the purpose of the book is to figure out who done it mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Whereas if it's a small thing in a different story, like a, a different story, if the whole thing is about the journey and not necessarily the resolution or the why or what caused it, I'm okay with ambiguous. Yes. I actually really like ambiguous endings in or bittersweet ambiguous endings in love stories yeah. or, you know, character stories. I, I I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I like closure. I don't mind getting the epilogue 40 pages down or 40 mm-hmm. years down the road to see that they got through happily ever after or what have you. Like, I, I like that, but I see what you mean, especially in a love story. It's kind of fun. Yeah. All right. How do you feel about reading on your phone? I don't like it at all. I don't do it. You don't do it at all. Okay. Nope, so if you're trying never. to read in bed, do you have your Kindle handy? Yes. I don't know how you, re- how do you re- read a book on your phone? <laughs> I mean, I know how it's done, but yeah. it's so tiny. I do it every day. I, I use the Kindle app, obviously, and you can change the print. You can make the print huge if you need to. You're flipping a lot, but you know you can change the print. I like to switch it, though, to the black background if it's nighttime when I'm reading in bed. And then during the day, I'll have like the lighter background. But yeah, I do it all the time, and I realize not everybody does that. And I can't imagine not reading on my phone. Like I can't imagine. Oh, wow. I can't yeah. imagine reading on my phone. That's okay. so fun. Okay, there we there we differ. Why not your Kindle instead at night? Because I don't know where bed. it is, girl. I don't know. It's around <laughs> here somewhere. Shoot. <laughs> My phone is always there. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. All right. That was a good one. Okay. How do you feel about following authors on social media? I like it. Well, let's think. I only follow a certain number of authors. Like, I don't follow every author I love for no real reason. I typically only follow the authors that I have interviewed or I've met at one point or another, which actually is quite a bit at this point since we've been doing the podcast and Instagram. Um, And then there's a handful of like local authors that I will follow because they're in Chicago and I like to keep up with them. But I don't typically follow a ton of authors for no real reason other than And Dennis kind of alluded to this. If we post about their book, if we didn't love it, I would feel bad. Mm -hmm. So the authors I do follow, I trust that I'm going to love their books. Okay. What do you think? I don't follow a lot of Mm -hmm. authors either, but I have a little bit different reason, especially with books I love. I would like to keep the author as just the author. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. For a lot of people. Some authors I followed in the past get very vocal and active on Twitter. And then I don't end up liking them, which then skews my Mm -hmm. feeling about the books where I could, if I would have just kept it as I like their writing, I like the book, I'm going to, you know, and not necessarily find out other things about them. I don't know. I, I just they just they're here yeah, to write books for us. <laughs> but you know that that doesn't happen often, but it has yeah. happened. And that makes sense, though. I I can see that for sure. Yeah, just a, a little bit different because I also agree with you about you know if you follow them, but then we po- if we were to say something critical about their book, that gets mm-hmm. awkward. You know that could get yeah. awkward. I don't know. I guess I kind of like leaving authors, you know, as just authors, and I don't necessarily need to see their, you know, personal lives, but sometimes it is fun. Yeah. Sometimes it's interesting. Okay. There's some that I talk to more than others for no real reason, but yeah, I still like to keep up and see what's coming down the pike, but you're right. I'm pretty picky about that. Sorry Mm -hmm. to any authors listening. (laughs) (laughs) But if we keep them as authors, you know, then they probably don't want us. And that's it. That we keep them as authors. We don't, um, we still read their books. No matter, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. in, in general. Yeah. It's interesting. And then I've had some that were, I knew first because they were bloggers or podcasters first and then became authors. And like, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, I don't like unfollow them <laughs> or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you already kind of know them as a person, right? So it's a little different. Right. All right. When you are reading either a physical or ebook, you're not listening. 
Do you read with any music in the background or do you need it totally silent? I don't need it silent. I don't usually read with music. So the weird, I I think it's weird. I bet there is info out there on this. I would have a hard time reading with music, but I don't have a hard time reading with TV in the background. Mm -hmm. That is interesting. I know. Maybe because your brain recognizes the song and they know what's it knows what's coming, whereas a TV, it's just you don't you can tune it out easier. Maybe because I know when in college and grad school, I could never study with music. So, yeah, I on, couldn't either. Ever, mm-hmm. it had to be silent. Then I couldn't even study with the TV on. But now I can. Yeah, I can read with a TV, and I do tune the TV out. But there's something about music. I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Yeah, similar. I can't have words in my music. I prefer it to be rain sounds, an ASMR room. I don't know, just any sort of music without words because <laughs> the words will distract <laughs> me and I'll want to sing along. Yeah, that's my favorite way. If I am sitting down with a book at night, I like to put on like an ASMR room on YouTube and I try and Google the coziest thing. I'm like cozy, atmospheric library and just see what comes up. And then I'll put that on the TV and then I'm reading in my chair and it's the best, but it like never happens. <laughs> okay. That's something I haven't tried. Really? ASMR. Yeah. I was give going to, and then I never did. Yeah, give it a shot. It's it's fun. And there's no specific one that I like. I just Google, like, I think of the coziest words I can think of, like coffee, rain, wintry, whatever, and, like, see what comes up. Okay. All right. I think my preference, if I had to absolutely choose, would be to read in silence. Yeah. Okay. I can't, I feel like I don't like to read in silence. I get weird because then I start listening like what's outside, what's the dog doing, what's going, (laughs) like my brain's like, hold on, there needs to be something else here. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, that is fun. I feel like I learned some more about you. See, we can do this as much as we want. We're still learning things about each other. It's so fun. I know. All right. Let's get into September books on the radar. I will start. And this first one kind of ties in a little bit to a book you were mentioning earlier when you were giving that character the most likely to, or if he had a specific quote. Because this book is The Most Likely Club by Alyssa Friedland. This one comes out on September 6th. And you know me and my friends reuniting in adulthood catnip. I love it. And I thought this one was a fun take on it because there's no like murder or anything super dark. (laughs) Maybe there's some darkness, but I couldn't tell from the synopsis. But at their Milestone High School reunion, a group of friends make a pact to finally achieve their high school superlatives one way or another. You'll like this. It's set in 1997. So grunge is king. The Titanic is the blockbuster smash hit. And blockbusters still exist, and Thursday nights are for friends. This is set in Bellport, Connecticut, with four best friends, and it starts when they're high school seniors, ready to take on the world, and they each get voted most likely to do something in their high school superlatives. There's most likely to win the White House, most likely to cure cancer, most likely to open a Michelin-starred restaurant, and most likely to join the Forbes 400. These are high-achieving people. And then the story picks up 25 years later, and as you might have guessed, nothing has gone to plan as the woman regroup at their dreaded high school reunion. And a classmate emerges and basically, I think, has some sort of announcement. So the friends are pulling out their yearbooks and looking at their younger selves and kind of remembering, oh my gosh, these dreams we had, what happened to them? So fueled by nostalgia and one too many drinks, they form a pact to push through their middle-aged angst to bring their teenage aspirations to fruition dubbing themselves the most likely girls. And they set to achieve the things that they were voted the most likely to. What I don't love, though, is that they called it middle-aged at the 25-year high school reunion because I'm like, I think I think I, that's like about mine. So I don't consider myself middle-aged, but maybe so. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm in denial. I think this one sounds awesome and like perfect to me for this time of year with schools and reunions and all of that. This one is The Most Likely Club by Alyssa Friedland. Yes, I love the sound of that. Were you voted most likely to do anything? Uh, no. Darren was, but now I don't remember what he oh, was no. voted. <laughs> John was too, and I can't remember. Probably most most athletic would be my guess. Yeah, gosh. And we have our yearbooks downstairs. Mine was most likely to brighten your day. Oh, right? that's nice. It's a good one. It's a good one. And that's hopefully, I don't one. know if I've lived up to it though. You guys will have I'm to let sure me know. I'm sure you have. <laughs> hey, that goes what? along with your code name. Call me Sunshine. <laughs> See, it's been a long, See? lifelong uh, Full circle. <laughs> theme. Full circle. There you go. All right. What do you Okay, have? I am starting off with a biggie. And 
and I know it's on your list. It's Fairy Tale by mm-hmm. Stephen King. Comes yep. up September sixth, and I I wasn't going to bring this, but then I thought, you know, maybe not everyone knows that Stephen King has a new one coming out because he he had one last year. Billy Summers was out last oh, yeah. fall, so mm-hmm. I mean, man, who knew he was going to come out with another you know six hundred pager? But he has, and I love the sound of it. This is about a 17-year-old boy who inherits the keys to a parallel world where good and evil are at war. You have Charlie Reed. And speaking of high school, we seem to be on a high school theme. Charlie Reed is a regular high school kid. He's good at baseball and football, and he's a decent student, but he carries a heavy load. His mom was killed in a hit-and-run accident when he was 10. And the grief over that, over losing her, drove his dad to drink. So Charlie ended up learning how to take care of himself and his dad. And when the story starts, Charlie is 17, and he meets a dog named Radar and her aging master, Howard Bowditch. And Howard is a recluse, and he lives in a big house at the top of a big hill. I can picture it. Can't you just picture this? Mm-hmm. It was, mm-hmm. uh, and behind that house is a locked shed. And sometimes strange sounds emerge from it. So Charlie ends up starting to do odd jobs here and there for Mr. Bowditch and falls in love with Radar. Then when Mr. Bowditch dies, he leaves Charlie a cassette tape telling a story no one would believe. What Mr. Bowditch knew and has kept secret all his life is that inside the shed is a portal to another world. And of course, you know, Charlie's going to probably enter that. And I, and it's, I would imagine, going to take off from there. This is being billed as a magnificent and terrifying tale in which good is pitted against evil and a heroic boy and his dog must lead the battle. And I love that Stephen King said that he asked himself a question early in the beginning of the pandemic, and he asked himself, what could you write that would make you happy? And this was the story. Oh, yeah. So that was Fairy Tale by Stephen King coming September 6th. Okay. I like that. Of course I'm going to read it. Like, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I don't even care what it's about. But I always love a boy and his dog story. Well, and you know what? The portal. What that? Oh, he loves a portal. reminds me. Yeah, that reminds me of Mm -hmm. 1122.63. Which I like. Okay. That one sounds good. All right. Next for me is How Not to Drown in a Glass of Water by Angie Cruz. This one comes out on September 13th. I added this one to my list because it is from the author of Dominicana, which I absolutely loved. So I'm really excited. I've been waiting, I think, a couple years now for her to have a new novel. This one's about a woman who's lost everything but the chance to finally tell her story. Write this down. Cara Romero wants to work. Cara Romero thought she would work in the factory of little lamps for the rest of her life. But when, in her mid-50s, she loses her job in the Great Recession in the late 2010s, it's like 2009, she is forced back into the job market for the first time in decades. She gets set up with a job counselor, and Kara, instead of talking about work, she begins to narrate the story of her life. And over the course of 12 sessions, Kara recounts her temptuous love affairs, her alternately biting and loving relationships with her neighbor Lulu and sister Angela, her struggles with debt, gentrification, and loss, and eventually what really happened between her and her estranged son, Fernando. As Kara confronts her darkest secrets and regrets, we see a woman buffeted by life, but still full of fight. So I'm really excited about this one. And it has a really good intro. And we I was considering this for a mailbag, which is why I read the first sentence. Okay. It's great. My name is Cara Romero, and I came to this country because my husband wanted to kill me. Don't look so shocked. You're the one who asked me to say something about myself. And I'm like, okay, she sounds like a feisty lady, which I dig. Yeah. Oh, I love it. That's How Not to Drown in a Glass of Water by Angie Cruz. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, you got me with that opening sentence. I'm glad you shared that. Okay, my next one, my goal was to bring a bit of a mix with my book picks today. So I am bringing a nonfiction, and I'm 
I'm not sure how this will land, but I'm very curious about it. It's called The Gospel of Wellness, Jim's Guru's Goop, and the False Promise of Self-Care. Oh, nice. By Rena Raphael. Comes out September 20th. Yeah, that whole title really caught my eye. And and of course, we are in we have a huge movement, right, of self-care. You hear about that everywhere. So mm-hmm. this is a story by a wellness industry journalist, and she wants to tackle the, the self-care movement. And she says, women are pursuing their health like never before, whether it's juicing, biohacking, clutching crystals, or sipping collagen. Today, there is something for everyone as the wellness industry has grown into a, get this, $4.4 trillion, trillion dollar entity. What? Wow. And, and a full-blown movement. But she would also like to explore the question, why are so many women still feeling so unwell? The truth is that deep within the underbelly of self-care, Hidden beneath layers of clever marketing, wellness beckons with a far stronger, more seductive message than health alone. It promises women the one thing they desperately desire, control. She wants to examine that. So through her investigation, she is going to look at the obsession of self-care. And sounds like her uh, hypothesis, if you will, is that... This has come about as a direct result of women feeling dismissed, mistreated, and overburdened. Women are told they can manage the chaos, ruling their life by following a laid-out plan. Eat right, exercise, meditate, then buy and do all of this stuff. (laughs) I know. Spend your coins. Right. While wellness may have sprung from good intentions— She is suggesting we are now relentlessly flooded with offerings, questionable ideas, and a mounting pressure to stay devoted to the divine doctrine of wellness. This book is billed as having a critical eye, humor, and empathy, and she also writes from a place that she knows because she was once a disciple herself, trying everything from clean eating to electric shock workouts. She wants to explore this from a perspective of the good and the bad. And I'm really curious to see how she explores that and if I can learn anything new. And just, I want to I know what the take of this book is. So that's The Gospel of Wellness, Jim's Guru's Goop and the False Promise of Self-Care by Rena Raphael. That does sound interesting. Like, I I cannot believe the trillion, four point something trillion. Yeah. Trillion. Yeah. yeah. It's only going up, too. Well, anyway. no. And if you think about it, I don't think that the self-care industry for men or anyone oh, else, right. you know, is is 4.4 trillion. Oh, I doubt it. All right. Well, I have one. We haven't done a lot of thriller talk in this episode yet, but I have one that sounds a little thrilling to me. It's called The Complicities by Stacey DeArismo, and this one comes out on September 20th. This is a story about a woman who is trying to rebuild her life after her husband's arrest and what she knew or pretended not to know about where their family's money came from. And for those fans of Real Housewives, this reminded me immediately of Erica Jane and her situation. So that's what made me put it on my list. After her husband, Alan's decades of financial fraud are exposed, her wealthy, comfortable life is in tatters. Alan goes to prison. Suzanne files for divorce and decamps to a barely middle-class Massachusetts beach town and begins to create a new life and a new identity. She is ignoring the steady stream of phone calls from Norfolk State Prison and tries to cleanse herself of all connections to her ex-husband. She tells herself that he, not she, committed the crimes. And then Alan is released early. And the many people whose lives he ruined demand restitution. But when Suzanne finds herself awestruck at a major whale stranding, she makes an apparently high-minded decision that ripples with devastating effect, not only through Alan's life as he tries to rebuild, but also through the lives of Suzanne and Alan's son, Alan's new wife, his estranged mother, and ultimately Suzanne herself. Now, when did Alan have time to get remarried? (laughs) 
<laughs> we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I'll have to tune in and find out. So when this type of damage is done, the question is, who pays? Who is responsible? It says it's got biting wisdom, and this book examined the ways in which the stories we tell ourselves that we didn't know, that we weren't there, it wasn't our fault, are also finally stories of our own deep complicity. So I thought, I really liked the sound mm, of it. I'm very curious. It's called The Complicities by Stacey de Arismo. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Well, I'm going to bring a thriller too. Nice. Mystery thriller. Sounds like it's a combo mystery thriller. I'm not sure how fast paced it is. So maybe more on the mystery lines, but it's called The Other Side of Night by Adam Hamdy. Comes out September 27th. This story begins with a man named David Asha, and he's writing about his biggest regret, his sudden separation from his son, Elliot. And in his grief, David will tell a story. Next, we step into the life of Harriet Kelty, a police officer trying to clear her name after a lapse of judgment. She discovers a curious inscription in a secondhand book, a plea, if you will. And it says, help me, he's trying to kill me. So who wrote this note? Who is he? And then this note leads Harry, Harriet is obviously called Harry, to David Asha, who was last seen stepping off a cliff. And police suspect he couldn't cope after his wife's sudden death. But still, why would this man jump and leave behind his young son? So Harry decides to focus her attention and zeroes in on a person she knows all too well, Ben Elmsies, once the love of her life and a surrogate father to Elliot Asha and a trusted friend to the Ashes. However, Ben may also be a murderer. That's the So it sounds like that's the basic setup of the story. It's billed as thought-provoking having intriguing narratives and a plot that swerves that will end up leaving you reeling. I like the sound of that. It's also billed as being for fans of Matt Haig and Anthony Horowitz. Mm. So that's The Other Side of Night by Adam Hamdy. Good. I have not heard of that one. So it's new to me. Yeah, it sounds interesting. It does. Wrapping up is one I'm so excited for. This cover is everything. It's called House of Hunger by Alexis Henderson. It comes out on September 27th, and it is about a young woman who is drawn into the upper echelons of a society where blood is power, and it's a dark, enthralling, gothic novel. And this author also wrote the book, The Year of the Witching. So Marion Shaw has been raised in the slums where want and deprivation are all she knows. Despite longing to leave the city and its miseries, she has no real hope of escape until the day she spots a peculiar listing in the newspaper seeking a blood maid. So though she knows little about the far north, where wealthy nobles live in luxury and drink the blood of those in their service, Marion applies to the position. In a matter of days, she finds herself the newest blood maid at the notorious House of Hunger. There, she is swept into a world of dark debauchery, and at the center of it all is Countess Lisevet. The countess who presides over this hedonistic court is loved and feared in equal measure. She takes a special interest in Marion, and Lisevet is magnetic, and Marion becomes eager to please her new mistress. But when she discovers that the ancient walls of the House of Hunger hide even older secrets, Marion is thrust into a vicious game of cat and mouse. She'll need to learn the rules of her new home and fast, or its halls will soon become her grave. I mean, perfect for spooky season. mm -hmm. I can't wait to see what the hell is going on in the House of Hunger. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But this book is called The House of Hunger by Alexis Henderson. Okay, good. I haven't heard of that. All right. I will wrap it up with Shrines of Gaiety by Kate Atkinson coming Mm -hmm. September 27th. Oh, I love the sound of this one. This is set in London in the wake of the Great War. It's set in 1926 specifically, and at the time, London is a country still recovering from the Great War, and it has also become the focus for a delirious new nightlife. The city is fizzing with money, glamour, and corruption, 
And in the clubs of Soho, regular people end up rubbing shoulders with starlets, foreign dignitaries mingle with gangsters, and girls sell dances for a shilling a time. There is seduction and betrayal, and there is a notorious queen of this glittering world whose name is Nellie Coker. She is ruthless, but also ambitious because she wants to advance her six children, including the enigmatic eldest, Niven, whose character has been forged in the crucible of the Psalm. But success does breed enemies, and Nellie's empire faces threats from the outside, but also from within. For beneath the dazzle of Soho, there is a dark underbelly, a world in which it is all too easy to become lost. I love the sound of this. I don't even know exactly what where this story would possibly go, but I love the sound of enemies from within because it makes it seem like could be family betrayal. So that was Shrines of Gaiety by Kate Atkinson. Mm-hmm. I know that one's going to be a pick for a lot of people. All right, so we'll wrap it up with my current read. I am reading Girls with Bright Futures by oh. Tracy Dobmeyer and Wendy Katzman. And I bring I picked this one for our In Real Life book club because I knew you loved it. And I was like, it's mm-hmm. good for this time of year. It's got college admissions. And, you know, I actually don't know much about it other than that, other than there's only one spot at Stanford. And mm-hmm. these families are, yeah, um, well, fighting each other basically for it. it. It's perfect. Lots of drama. You're, that's mm-hmm. a great book club pick. Um, oh, good. How funny. You're okay. So funny. You're reading something I influenced you with. And I am literally starting, I'm just starting the audio of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin, mm-hmm. which you're, you I'm- brought to the show. And I did not think I was going to read it. I really did not think I was going to read it. But I, I have to find out. Yeah. If I, I I'm glad you'll out. read it. I'm definitely glad you'll read it. I'm curious to see what you think. I predict you'll love it, but like, you never know. I know it's can some we, people can don't. We, can we bring those later a little bit to the show and tell each other what we think? Sure. We can do a follow-up. Okay. All right. All right. Well, that's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you would like access to exclusive bonus content, you can join us for $5 a month on patreon.com slash booktalk, etc. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at booktalketc on Instagram Tina at TBR, etc., and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember everything's better with books. Wow, you're in the 80s. <laughs> wow. <laughs> John's, in, you, he's almost in the 90s. <laughs> he's you, one year out. I know. I don't, I can't hear that.